Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. So I'm going to, uh, I don't have just a text verse, I have several that I want to go through as we teach a little bit here. But uh, there's a story, and I never thought that this story, I, I would ever be able to use it, um, in church, but uh, it, when I was real little, like a little bitty guy, like three years old, um, my grandpa, Papa Huff, um, who was you know great, you know just a hero in my life. He was a, a pastor for many years, and he was a, a senator and congressman. He just very big into missions, you know, had a, just a huge impact, especially even during the Cold War era. He was able to smuggle Bibles, you know, into the uh, you know into the those areas in the uh, the Soviet Union. It's just really really awesome, uh, you know, great man of God, man of faith. And so he would, uh, whenever I would go stay over there, um, he would tell me stories. Uh, he would tell me cowboy stories or Western stories particularly. And so he's where my, uh, <coughs> my, my favorite, or you know, one of my favorite authors was Louis L'Amour. He was uh, you know, just an old Western writer. And you know, they were always clean. There was never any, any nonsense in them or he wouldn't have you know, let me read them. But uh, there's a bunch of good moral stories. It's not Bible, but there were some good stories. And so that kind of shaped a little bit of the way that I thought growing up and uh, impacted me. And there's one particular story um, that I recall that kind of made sense tonight as we talk about prayer. How many of you have somebody that you just want to see saved? Amen. And that person will not get saved for some reason. And no matter it seems how much you pray and how long you pray, it just it doesn't seem like it's doing any good and it's frustrating because here's the great balancing act, okay? You know, as I kind of just balance out here, the big balancing act is um, prayer, effective prayer through a miracle working God, and you're balancing that out with the free will of some knucklehead sinners. <laughs> that won't get saved. And they know that God is good, and they know that God loves them, and they know they should be saved, but they won't get saved because they're being, uh, you know, whatever, they're, they're sowing their wild oats, or maybe they're living, you know, just after the things of the flesh. That's what's attracted to them right now, whatever it is. Or they've, they've got, you know, this myriad, big old, you know, knapsack full of excuses for why they're living the way that they're living, and it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. I think all of us have people like that in our lives, right? So um, the story, and I'll make a, a small application here. Um, <clears throat> They're, in the story, there's two main good guys, and they're just, you know, they're, they're rough cowboy types. You know, they're from, from you know, this family called the Sackets, and uh, that's the story. They're, they're these guys that, uh, you know, they, they roll into town. They're very humble, but, you know, you don't want to cross them because, man, they can draw faster than anybody, and they can, you know, ride and shoot and everything in the world. They're, you know, these cowboy characters. And uh, this other gang of rowdies, you know, these, uh, these people, these, um, it, you know, it's, it's called the Black Fetchin' Gang, you know, um, and... The Fetchin family has like, you know, 20 guys. They all come into town shooting up everything, threatening people, you know, pushing people around, being big bullies, you know. And, of course, you have the lone cow couple cowboys that are brothers that tell them to calm down, stop pushing, you know, that old lady in the street, whatever. And so it about gets serious. And, uh, you know, all the whole Fetchin gang, you know, chucks their iron and starts pointing it right at them and, you know, is threatening them, say, getting ready to have a shoot shootout right in the middle of the road. And so, of course, these, these redneck characters, you know, they're, they, they tell the leader, whose name is Black Fetchin, he's on his black horse, and he's got all his friends, you know, with their guns all over him. They've got their two guns out, too. And so he makes his threat. And uh, the two guys just simply say this. You know, they point their guns right at his belly button, and they say, you, you're going to get us, but there's going to be several empty saddles on the ride home, and yours will be one of them. 
So they said, you, you're, you're going to get us. You know, there's too many of you. We understand that. But they both went whoosh, right there. And they said, I promise you, yours will be, your saddle will be empty on the ride home. And so Black Fetchin thinks about it. He starts to sweat a little bit. He's like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth it, you know, because, you know, my, my whole gang, we're definitely going to get them, but I don't want to go down. And so they say, okay, well, we don't want no more trouble. And so um, Galloway, you know, the, the character, the good, the good guy says, okay, I want you to, you know, shuck your guns right in the street. They say, I'm not going to do that. They say, do it. And so they, they take off their gun belts, you know, right in the street, drop them right in the street. And so now the tables have really turned. And so he says, get off the horses and take your hats off. And so they all, they all do, because you got them you know, covered now. And he said, we're going to sing Rock of Ages, and I want to hear every last one of you sing it. <laughs> sing Rock of Ages. And, so, and then the writer goes, you know, you never would have known, but Black Fashion had him a strong baritone voice, and we heard him above everybody else. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And you heard this guy saying, there are all these, all these, you know, rough characters just standing there with their hats in their hands, singing Rock of Ages in the middle of the, of the road. And I thought to myself, man, I wish that was an option with some of these people. You know? Some of the people that I want to see saved, and, you know, and I know that, that they're good people, and, and God loves them, and they're not living any life that's worth living, you know, really in, in the weight of eternity. I just wish I could just, ugh. Wish I could draw down on them and say, come on into church, lift your hands, worship the Lord, seek him, pray, read your Bible, go to heaven and not hell. Because I love you and I don't want to see you die lost and live in misery and sin. Get your head on right, get, get, get your mind right and get saved. What's wrong with you? You ever feel like doing that? It's just me? Yeah, I just want to say, get saved, don't go to hell. Do right. My goodness. Unfortunately, we can't uh, just draw down on them and tell them to <laughs> sing Rock of Ages and come to church and do what you want to do. But since that's not an option, what are our options? <laughs> that would be a good one. But uh, <clears throat> what are the options that we have to make a difference in intercessory prayer? That's what we want to look into just a little bit. I think, first of all, we need to understand that, um, Sister Charlotte, would you bring up uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, chapter 4 and verse 4. <coughs> um, one of the major, there are a lot of reasons why people don't get saved and are not saved. I'd say a huge one is uh, that they're blind. The Word of God teaches us. Um, actually, go to 3. I said 4, but let's go to 3. Thank you so much. She's quick on the draw, too, just like Galloway. <clears throat> Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 and chapter 3. But even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That just means that uh, they need to be able to see. Veiled means you know, having something in front of it where you can't really see. You don't um, fully comprehend something. And next verse. <clears throat> Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we see in that passage of scripture that it's uh, they're blind. You know, you cannot you you can only get so irritated at someone's lack of direction when they're blind. Okay, 
I, I honestly, I was being, I was kind of gotten, get, was irritated because I was getting my new puppies, trying to get them to, you know, to, to feed the way they need to. Because in the first 48 hours, if they don't, you know, get get to feeding real quick, and they're a little bitty, just like that, just like little little rats almost, you know, just needing needing you know nourishment. And so I get so irritated because I put them right up to where they need to be, and they'll just you know crawl away into in their totally wrong direction, whining and crying at the top of their little lungs for food. And then I'll grab them and I'll twist them around. I'll put them right there again. And then they'll do the same thing. They'll just crawl. They'll knock somebody else out of the way. And then they'll go crawl into the, into the corner and then just yell. And that's very frustrating. But I have to remind myself sometimes, their eyes don't open for two more weeks. You know? They're not just being stupid or stubborn. They can't see nothing. Their eyes don't even open for two weeks. And then when I realize that, I'm like, okay, well, I feel a little, you know, poor little guys, put them back there. But, you know, sometimes it's so irritating because they keep doing it. They keep leaving. <laughs> and they're searching for what they really want in all the wrong places. What they need. People are like that. Oh, my goodness, people are like that. Searching every possible avenue in this world and all the sin and all the, uh, all the debauchery that this world has to offer, all in search of that one thing that you can find right here in an altar of prayer or anywhere in an altar of prayer. The love of Jesus Christ. It's so frustrating, you know, when people don't, but we have to understand their eyes haven't been fully opened yet. They don't, they don't see things the way that they should because they haven't been saved. They haven't been regenerated. And so while the Holy Spirit is drawing them, um, the enemy is also drawing them and also trying to blind them. Amen? So we need to understand, first of all, the God of this age has blinded them. <clears throat> Secondly, Mark 3 and 27. Mark 3 and 27. So first of all, we've got to remember they're blind. Secondly, Mark 3 and 27 says, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Now, that's kind of like almost like a little parable right there. It is a parable. And the, the, the point of the story that Jesus is making is that you don't get to go in and just uh, take what you want while there's still somebody there guarding it, okay? You, you don't just walk right in and then uh, plunder um, the house of the enemy. You don't, and, and people are bound. People are bound, and they belong to, you know, they've been purchased and they've been paid for, but they haven't been redeemed yet. You know, you can do that. Uh, I've I read somewhere that Starbucks has millions, like tens of millions of dollars of existing credit that are on those little gift cards that people never turn in. You know, they, they lose them. They forget about them. Um, you know, they're stuck in a wallet until they expire. Million, the best thing they can do is sell those things because it's money that they get, they get paid for, and maybe it never even gets redeemed. And sadly, that's the plight of so many souls. They've been paid for because uh, Jesus made the propitiation, the payment for all mankind. Like, every, you know, whosoever will, um, the, the, it's been there, but they don't, unless you come to Starbucks and then you say, I want my whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, you don't redeem what's been paid for. And he wants to redeem the souls that, that he died to save. But you, you still, you have to go, you have to go and then uh, have the blood of Jesus applied to your life before you redeem all of that. So we, we have to understand that. Um, they are purchased, you know, and they, they, you know the, the payment's been made, but you still have to have the blood applied. And whenever you're in the camp of the enemies, just think of it as, you know, just a huge... Um, a sheepfold, okay, where you keep a lot of sheep. They're in the enemy's fold. 
And if they stay there, they will die lost and they will go to hell. They need to be redeemed. They, they, they need to be brought out of it. They need, to, they need to find a way of escape. But here's the thing. Um, there's a guard on the fold. You don't just walk right in and out of the enemy's camp, you know, just willy-nilly, um, just doing whatever you want, however you want, and expect no spiritual resistance. There are demonic forces. Uh, the, the God of this world, is, is he is not ultimately strong, but he is strong. And he stands at the gate. He stands in the way. And, and Jesus says it himself. He says, don't be thinking that you're just going to waltz in there and, and, and then just you know, plunder all of the souls that, that he is fighting for. You're going to uh, come against you know, all, all the, you know, the bondage that, that the enemy has heaped on people and, and placed people in. And he's just going to stand by and just you know, be an observer. He's going to fight. He's going to fight hard. He's going to fight fiercely. He's going to fight consistently all the way to the very end. No one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods, which is those souls, unless he first buys a strong man, then he will plunder the house. And so I think we need to understand that you have got to come against some of the spirits that bind people. And the Holy Spirit has given us the power and the word of God's given us the authority to do just that, to actually stand in the gap and rebuke some things. We, we're not powerless to watch somebody continue to, to battle with, you know, with a spirit uh, you know, of the enemy and not be able to intervene and rebuke. You're actually allowed to team up a little bit if you would, if you would care enough to kind of get involved. So you don't have to just sit there and, and just eat popcorn and watch somebody struggle with alcoholism again and again and again all through their life and just hope that they end up on the right side. You have the authority and you have the permission of God to come and say, I pray in the name of Jesus against this spirit, this bondage, uh, this, this temptation, this person. And I believe that God is going to come in on the side of my prayer and he's going to enact some actual action. And I rebuke the spirit of that bondage. I rebuke the spirit of the enemy and the heart of the enemy trying to destroy this person's life. And it matters. It makes a difference. Prayer works. We have authority and we have responsibility. I really do feel like sometimes we just want to sneak in the back door and abscond with our loved ones without anybody even seeing or knowing about it. That's not how it works. The Word of God's very clear about that. You don't get to just uh, you know peek over the you know the, the enemy's you know little wall there where he's holding all of these sheep and say, hey, hey, just come on, you know, I don't really want to fight the enemy because I'm scared of him and I don't want to tangle with him. But why don't you just come come with me and then we'll just sneak out of the enemy, the kingdom of darkness. That's not how it works. The word of God says that, that um, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And that, the reason it says that is because you've got to go in through the gates. If you're going to actually pull people you know, into, into heaven by telling them about the love of Jesus and rebuking uh, the spirit of the enemy in their life, you've got to kick in the gates. You're not going around the back. You're not just going to get in and get out without a fight. You have got to want this bad enough to rebuke the hand of the enemy, rebuke the hand of the devourer in the lives of your loved ones. Absolutely do. You don't just get to avoid the fight. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Jesus says that there's only one way, only one door into the sheepfold. Do you believe this? There's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, which saves us from our sins. There's only one way through the gate. But also... There's only one way out of the other gate. There's only, there's only one way out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the bondage that, that Satan has people in and, and sin has. Been. The only gate is Jesus Christ. 
the blood of Jesus, that's the only thing that can break. There, there is no scientific method to breaking spiritual bondage. Amen? There, there is no, uh, there's no prescription drug for spiritual bondage. Now, there's prescription, you know, drugs that, you know, that, that do wonderful, and thank God, you know, we don't have to have polio and stuff. You know, there's, medicine can do wonderful things, and we're so grateful to live in a country where we don't have to worry about all coming down with, you know, typhoid fever. Praise God for that, amen? Y'all know about nothing about no typhoid fever, but it's terrible. I mean, I'm grateful for that. However, if it's a spiritual problem, then it doesn't matter how much medicine you throw at it. And I will say this, if it is a... Uh, if it is a physical and hormonal problem, you know, problem and, you know, where you need to just you know, be wise and understanding, um, you can't just you know, pray and pray and pray and pray, but then keep not doing the thing that's healthy and then expect it to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can't keep you know, just eating rat poison and then praying. God's not going to honor that. However, if it's a spiritual problem, no amount of essential oils or anything else is going to help. Amen? You gotta bind the strong man. <clears throat> only one way into the sheepfold of the Father, and there's only one way out of the sheepfold of the enemy. <clears throat> so this is what I want to challenge you to do. I'm, I'm teaching a little bit and preaching a little bit about intercessory prayer, because we want to have some targeted prayer here in just a minute and uh, pray for our lost loved ones. Amen. <clears throat> what and here here's a good prayer if you haven't got a full revelation of what you know what you're Spirit, you're trying to rebuke, or what's going on in the lives of your loved ones. Um, th this is a good place to start. Whatever spirit is operating in the name in my loved one's life, I want to rebuke it and bind it in the name of Jesus. That's a good place to start. Whatever spirit is operating in the life of my loved one, or my friend, or this person that I'm praying for, whatever spirit that is, I rebuke it and bind it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's obvious, and we know that you know someone who is bound, you know, by a, you know, by by you know just lustful situations, and continues, you know, to just have affair after affair after affair, or or addictions in that uh, in that area of their life. Sometimes you know we understand that, and you need to be specific and say, "I rebuke the spirit of lust in Jesus' name." If it's a if it's a spirit of alcoholism, it's a spirit of addiction, uh, of chemical abuse and addiction. I, I think that it, that what we need to do is get specific and say, "I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name." Amen. Whatever spirit is operating in my loved one's life or my friend's life, I want to rebuke it and bind it in the name of Jesus. Let's do work, effectual, fervent prayer. Amen. <clears throat>